Good evening, church. If you have your Bibles, Numbers 25, Numbers 25. And I still think it was um, an awesome opportunity to go visit the Bernards and visit the mission trips, mission field. So in the coming days, there's going to be talks about like one day maybe the Bernards and maybe other trips. So if there's something you're interested in and just going straight to the mission field and to be able to interact with our missionaries, keep your uh, ears open for that. So we're going to be at Numbers 25. And before we get started, I want to stop and pray really quickly because... I think most of, our, most of us are aware of this, but there is a hurricane hitting our country here uh, down in Florida, and so I want to stop and take a moment to pray for those in, uh, affected by it. Does anybody here know someone is affected by it? Knows them? Yeah, I think all over the auditorium we've got people, hands raised, and so we've got friends, we've got family there as a church family, and so we want to take just a moment this uh, evening and just pray for safety, pray that God would give grace through this storm. So if we've got just a second, let's pray. And if you pray in your heart, especially if you have someone there, I know um, we have friends who are just here, Rachel and Luke, um, that were just here visiting us and they were here at church. They actually live in Tampa and so they flew back. We were joking about this while, there, while they were at my house. We were like, oh, you guys haven't had a hurricane in a little while. And like, no, we haven't, haven't. And then we shouldn't have talked about it. My bad. <laughs> so let's take a moment and let's pray and then we'll jump into Numbers 25 this evening. Dearly Father, God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord, even as we sang uh, this evening, just singing about your faithfulness and how we can trust you. And so, Lord, in these moments where we can look at a storm that can be catastrophic and probably will be catastrophic, Lord, we're just praying for your grace, for those involved, your protection. Lord, there's a lot of things, uh, Lord, that can go wrong. Lord, there's a potential for lives lost. Lord, property is destroyed. And so, God, you know what matters, what will accomplish your purpose. So, God, we want to pray according to your will. But, Lord, we do ask that you protect and help those in the path of the storm. God, I pray that after this, Lord, you be glorified and the help, the efforts to help clean and all the things that will happen after. But, Lord, we just pray for in the next uh, day or so that you just would give grace and help to those involved. So, Lord, I pray tonight for our service. Lord, as we walk through your word in Numbers 25, God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, as we walk through this passage to be clear, Lord, as we walk through something that I can see could be, could be difficult, Lord, for some of us to grasp, Lord, your wrath, and Lord, when you judge, but Lord, it's so needful for us to hear. So God, I pray that you give us wisdom as we walk through the passage. Lord, I pray that your word would fall on good ground, where you said it would bring forth fruit. We're asking for it because we do have faith in you. We need your help. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So if we were going to, which we didn't do this for live stream, but if we were going to do talk about this message here on live stream. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that it would have pretty much like, you know how on the TV when you watch a show it says TV, MATV, 14 TV and has all those like DSVF. If When we go to numbers 25, I'm just going to say it's going to have TV and it's going to have like lots of different things in numbers chapter 25. So let's jump there. You, you're there in your Bibles. Let's just go ahead. I've, I've given you the disclaimer. So let's just jump right into it uh, as we jump deep into numbers chapter 25. Let's go straight to, let's just grab the bull by the horns. Verse number six. You there? Numbers 25, verse number six. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite, Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who are weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So here's what's happening. This is like one of those points where you start in a TV show and then you start right at the beginning. I mean, right in the middle of the action. And you're like, what in the world is going on? And it's like everything's moving. Like, so the children of Israel are standing outside the, the tents, weeping, crying out to God because there's a plague. 
So then this guy, verse, uh, I mean, this guy, we'll find his name Zimri in a little bit, but he walks past the congregation and he takes a woman with him into the tent. So tears, Lord, stop the plague, stop the plague. And then comes this kid with a woman in front of everybody, in front of Moses, everybody, walks in the tent, and this woman, everybody knows what is going on here. God is judging Israel, and this guy just walks right past like nothing's happening. They go into the tent, verse number seven. And when Phinehas, the son of, Ele- son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, so Aaron's grandson, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. TV. M.A. <laughs> this is hard. The children of Israel are going through a plague. They're weeping. Do something. Kids stroll through. Going to the tent. Aaron's grandson sees this happening. He said, it will not happen here. He picks up a javelin. He walks into the tent. He thrusts them through, through both of them. And the Bible says the plague was stayed. So then we ask ourselves, just like in that TV show that would fast forward to that part, we got to fast forward, I mean, we got to rewind back a couple, a couple days earlier, a couple of weeks earlier, and we got to figure out how in the world did we get into this spot that people are dying, people are stabbing people with spears in the tents, people are crying, what is happening in this story? So to do that, we have to walk back through, back to you, if you remember Pastor a couple of weeks ago was talking about the story of Balaam, Balaam and Balak. Balak the king, Balaam the man of God who was called to curse. And if you remember the story, something lighthearted, we can talk about the donkey talking back to Balaam. That story, where Balaam's beating the donkey, and the donkey talks back and is like, why are you beating me? Something light, like donkeys talking. (laughs) And in that moment, God has told Balaam, you cannot curse the children of Israel. You cannot. Balaam's like, hey man, I've got everything you want. I'll give you whatever you would like. Just give, just curse these people. All right. And Balaam comes up to give his curse. And blessing comes out. And Balaam's like, what are you doing, man? I'm paying you big money. Curse these people. I can only do what God will let me do. God won't let me curse them. See? Run real quick. Got your Bible? Turn over to number 24 real quick. Number 24. Well, let's, in fact, let's go to Numbers 23. Verse 23. I mean, chapter 23, verse number 8. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For who, from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him, lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like this. Hey, I'm trying to curse, but I can't. Let's get down. Verse number 20. Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. I want to curse these people, but God said bless them, and I can't do anything but bless them. We keep going, right? Chapter 24, verse 1. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, 
He went not at others, as, as at other times to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. All through chapter 23 and 24, as the pastor preached a couple weeks ago, God is protecting his people. As we sang so much tonight, God is being faithful to the children of Israel over and over and over again. Everyone wants to do them harm. God says, I'm not going to let it happen. I'm blessing these people. I'm protecting these people. Now let's all say it together, right? Do they deserve it? Okay, huh? <laughs> let's all say it together. Do they deserve it? No, they don't at all. They don't. But God is faithful. God is good. And as Balaam, he's trying to curse these people, God says no. So then we roll into Numbers chapter 25, and that brings us into our message. Balaam says, I can't do anything. I can't curse these people. And he goes back. And if we didn't have other parts of Scripture, we would say, okay, those children of Israel... Let's read verse 1 of chapter 25. And Israel abode in Chittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people on the sacrifice of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. There's this moment where it's like, children of Israel, how many times do we have to go through this? How many times is this line written? And we would think, okay, they've fallen again. But then we go to two passages one in Revelation, that I would love to put them on the screen, one in Revelation and one in Numbers, that all of a sudden we see something that we wouldn't see in this passage. So Numbers 31, verse 15, And Moses said unto them, Have ye saved all the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam, you see his name, through the counsel of Balaam, to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of pure, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. So we're seeing here that Balaam does not curse Israel, but he does. Balak, I can't curse them. can't curse them at all. But let me tell you, let me give you counsel on how you can mess them up. Let me give you counsel on how you can destroy them. Let me help you understand. And he gives them counsel, and he says, hey, this is how you'll get Israel. We go to Revelation, the church of Pergamos, right? And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, but I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So all of a sudden, as we look at other parts of Scripture, we see Balaam that said, I can't curse them. But Balak, if you will, send some ladies over there, bring some food to them, you can turn their hearts and get them to follow God. I mean, follow false gods. You can, you can destroy this people. And so obviously, Balak fails. He does this. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. You can't curse him. Wait, wait. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. And that's exactly what he does. Now, when, if you're a note taker, I'm horrible for note takers, so just be honest. I'm just going to be honest. But if you're a note taker and you are trying to follow along, we walk to the seduction. Here's where the seduction begins. Balaam says, hey, you can destroy these people by bringing them in. I'll read it again. Verse, chapter 25, verse number 1. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. So all of a sudden, Balak's like, hey, I can't curse them, but I'm going to send some ladies over. 
Now before, you think, Aaron, you're just trying to beat down ladies. It's not that. The ladies are not the issue. The food is not the issue. The ladies are not the issue. Lust is. Their desires. He says, hey, if you will appeal to their desires, God will protect them over here, but they will destroy themselves if you go for their desires. And that's exactly what he does. And as he goes, the seduction goes, because, see, we know that this is true. James says this, right? Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Because God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt thee any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And what has conceived it brings forth sin. Sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. And here's where the children of Israel are. And I would say, sometimes we don't want to be where the children of Israel are. We're like, those children of Israel, they keep making all the mistakes. And I would say, ah, Aaron makes these same mistakes. We just sang about the faithfulness of God. God is in the background of the the first couple chapters. Hey, I got you, children of Israel. I've got you. Curse him, curse him. I'll pay you to curse him. I can't. God won't let me. But then all of a sudden, Balaam says, can I tell you the truth, Balak? Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. You've got some things that they want. It's not ladies. In this chapter it is, but it's not in the Bible because look at Eve. It was fruit. For Eve, she looked at this fruit and said, hey, this is able to make me wise. It looks like it's good to eat. I'll do it. It's different for all of us what that lust is. Just like the children of Israel, the devil knows that you have a faithful God But oftentimes when we get our eyes off God and see the beauty for what God is doing, we stop trying to read the chapter 23, the chapter 24, and see that all above God is working over top saying, no, I've got it. I'm protecting. I'm helping. I love you. I will not let anything happen to you. The children of Israel, kind of like the the calf, they're like, I don't think God really cares about us. God doesn't do anything good for us. Oh, you got the party over there? I'm going your way. And they fall right into the seduction. Let me ask you, what is yours? As Hebrews would say, what's the sin that so easily besets you? You're like, well, it's not lust. Maybe it's not, but maybe it's your temper. Man, you'll serve the Lord all day, but let somebody (laughs) pull out in front of you. Game over. (laughs) What is yours? Because, see, the devil knows you have a gracious, good God and who's faithful. But if he can draw you away of your own lust, I've got it. And so he goes through. And verse number three, and Israel joined himself unto Baal pure. The word joined, it's almost like the word yoke. They yoked themselves up with the Moabites. I mean, yeah, with the Moabites. And said, we're going this direction now. Isn't it sad? How many times have we read this story? And there's, there's a book of numbers. How many times? How many times have I lived this story? Because every man is tempted when he's drawn with his own lust and enticed. And so as we start looking at it, we see this seduction. So how did we get here? How did we get to this position? We got there because 
all of us have that inward battle, desire, our desires that draw us away from the Lord. Hey, God doesn't have what's best for me. Eve, ah, Satan, you know it. God's holding out on you. He just knows that if you have this, and we start to believe the lie, but let's keep going, right? Verse number four. And the Lord said unto Moses, take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun. I told you there's going to be a V in here for violence. Take them and hang their heads against the up before the Lord and against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, slay every one of his men that were joined to Bel Peor. Skip down to verse number nine. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. So if you're again a note taker, the seduction, let's go to the seriousness of this. The seriousness of this sin. All of a sudden, God rains down a plague. I didn't get that. God rains down a plague. Siri's preaching now. Uh, God rains down a plague, and 24,000 people died. Now, we're like, this is when some of us, this is why I said, I'm praying. Like, some of us, if you're not familiar with the Bible and church, you're like, I uh, see God. God's just a God of judgment. He just wants to destroy people. He's just waiting for them to make mistakes. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. This is the dumbest illustration. It doesn't really capture this, but I remember growing up. When I was growing up, I remember my dad bought me a bike. I think I see it now more so than I did then, but my dad bought me a bike, and I can see now that he saved up, and that was something special that he gave me. And then you're just a kid. You're like, oh, a bike. Thank you, Dad. And you jump on and ride it. And I remember that as I was riding my bike, one of the neighbor kids, his name was Sean, um, was riding, his, he said, hey, Aaron, you got a bike? And so he said, hey, can I ride it? Said, yeah, get on the ride. And I remember, like, he got on my bike, and he began to ride my bike around, popping wheelies, bouncing off stuff, like doing that tire skid you used to do back when you used to wear the back tire off, like, <sighs> and he's just, like, going out on my new bicycle. And I remember my dad came out. My dad does have a temper. And my dad came out, and my dad <laughs> went off. Aaron, get your bike, get back in the yard. Aaron, grab your stuff, get off his bike. And I was like, it wasn't that serious, Dad. I'm like, <laughs> and I remember later, my dad said, Aaron, like, I wasn't mad, like, at you, and I wasn't necessarily mad at Sean. I, I was mad because, like, I saved up for that bike, and that bike was for you, and I was just watching him tear your bike up. He's like, I saw him tear your bike up, and he's like, I, I had to stop that. And I think this is where, when we start thinking about the, the God in heaven, he's watching the children of Israel kill the generation that's about to go in the promised land. And the Bible says God's anger is kindled. That can't happen. I love you people. I protect you people. He killed 24,000 people because it's just that serious to him that I can't let the cancer that is sin in the camp keep going. And can you wrap your mind around 24,000 people? 24,000 people, that's how serious God sin is. We know that how serious God sin is because he sent his son, that God gave his son. So when God says sin is serious, it's serious. 
And again, it's not just about, oh, well, because you ate food offered to idols, or because you do that. It's because sin cannot reign in our mortal bodies, as Romans says, because it will destroy, and it will cost way more in the long run. And so God, may, the plague takes 24,000 people. Now, for 24,000 people, for us, like sometimes it's like, that's a lot of people. I don't know how many exactly how many people are in this auditorium. But if you could imagine coming in this auditorium and every seat is full, you're kind of uncomfortable because it's so full in here. And then watching all those people die in this auditorium, every seat. And you do that every top of the hour for all 24 hours. That's how serious God is about sin. This is when God says, I will not let you destroy yourselves. I love you too much. And God's anger is kindled. And the seriousness that happens when that, when that goes. But in the middle of that happening, all these things happening, 24,000 people, the plague, this is where we walk back into that story, right? This is where we walk back into that story. People are dying. Because as Jeremiah would say, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed to them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God's like, I've watched my people drink water out of a broken cistern. The water's pouring out of the broken cistern, and I've watched them try to get that water up and try to drink that water when I have a fountain of living water. And I'm like, why are you drinking that? Why are you going for that? I have what you want, like fountains of living water. And God says, it will cease. It will stop. And in the midst of all that happening, we walk through verse number six. I'll read it again. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation, of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the congregation, tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, saw the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. If you're taking notes, we walk into stupidity, right? So we see the stupidity of this, the seriousness of sin. But this is how stupid sometimes we are to sin. I'll put TV language for me saying stupid, just in case you're against stupid. But all of a sudden we look at it and say, what is going on here? People are weeping. People are dying. And then Zimri and Cosby, a Midianitish woman, Zimri, an influential young man, walks in. And it's almost like whether it's, I don't care, like, I'm going to do what I want. Or it's, I'm so blinded by sin that I don't even see what's happening. Either way, he grabs the lady that's brought to him. He goes, strolls into the tent, and everybody sees it. People are crying. God, deliver us from this plague. God, help us. God, help us. God, do something. And then they look up, and there's this kid. This young man just walking by like nothing's happening. Moses sees it. And then Phineas says, Moses made a decree that anybody 
that was worshiping false gods and committing the immorality that happened, they die. And all of a sudden, Aaron's grandson, a young man, says, we will stop this now. If we're going to walk through that blatant sin, I'm going to make sure it stops now. And he grabs a javelin. And he walks in the tent. And I, <laughs> there are moments in the Bible where I'm like, I can't wait to get to heaven to see. This is one of those like, I don't ever need to see the video. Like, <laughs> I don't need to see anything about this. He runs them through. And the Bible says that God blessed his family for generations because of zeal in his heart for God and for the purity of the people of Israel. One of the men, hopefully, I'm not sure what age he was, but in the generation that may say, hey, we may go into the promised land, said, hey, I'm not going to let this happen. And he makes, number four, a statement. He makes a statement. And his statement is this. No words, just sin will not reside here. We will not let open and wickedness stand. And again, this is for us, like, we're like, this is pretty hard. We're running people through with javelins, like 24,000 people. It's serious. Numbers got it serious. Sin blinds us to our own stupidity. We just keep walking in it. How many of you guys have a family member that you've seen before walk themselves toward destruction and you're like, what are you doing? Can you even see that? Come on, wake up. We all experience it. How many of us have been blind to our own sin? Sin's blinded us. This is what I want. This is what I want to do. I know what's best. And I begin to walk that way. But then, Jesus makes a statement in front of everybody. We're going to do whatever it takes to have purity among our people. Can I ask you this? Are you willing to do whatever it is to stop the sin that so easily besets you? If sin's not going to reign in your mortal body, if the Bible says make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, are you willing to do whatever it takes? Like, I, I am not telling anyone here. <laughs> we'll put another disclaimer. Since we're disclaiming this, this message all over, I'm not saying run anybody through with a jab. But so, <laughs> if you walk out of here, <laughs> hon, Pastor Aaron said I need to take care of. No, I did not say any of that. But what I am saying is, if your hand causes you to stumble, Jesus said cut it off. That's extreme. Because that's how serious God is about sin. What is it that, well, you know what, that's just the kind of person I am. I'm impatient. I know I'm a little impatient. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to grow impatient? Oh, well, you know what, sometimes, sometimes things like I, I say things and they slip out. Are you willing to do whatever it is to say, hey, God, help me to mortify the deeds of the flesh? Because Phineas says, I can't let it stay here. I can't let this sin keep happening. And then we go lastly, right, as we finish up this chapter, verse number 11, I do want to read this, verse number 11, because it is God blesses, and I want to see that God blesses Phineas. Verse number 11, Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel. 
while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed the children of Israel in my jealousy. Here's what Phineas did. God's about to consume. 24,000 people die. God's about to, in his wrath, say, that is enough. And Phineas stands in the gap. He says, hey, we're going to stop it here. And he stops God's wrath from coming. Verse 12, wherefore say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and the seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Verse number 16, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, vex the Midianites, and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, and in the matter of Kazi, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the days of the plague for Peor's sake. So lastly, if you have your notes, it's a strategy. God says, Moses, vex the Midianites. Pretty much what he's saying is, make them your enemy. Do not make league. Do not marry. Make them your enemy because their wiles have deceived you and you do not need to fall for this again. Here's the thing about being deceived. If you're really deceived, you don't know you're deceived. If you're really deceived, you don't know. Like, no, that makes sense to me. That works for me. And God said, Moses, cut it off. Your strategy, don't make leagues. Don't do anything. From here on out, the Midians have deceived you. You fell for it. Balaam's plan, Balaam's wink, wink. <laughs> I'll tell you how you really get them. It worked, and it worked well. Vex the Midianites. Make no leagues with them. Cut them off, because they will destroy you. Again, what is your strategy for the sin that easily besets you? What is it you're going to say as the Holy Spirit will look at your heart and say, it may not be false idols. <laughs> I'm not trying to sneak over to my closet to bow down to Baal. But what is it that has my heart more so than God? What is it that I look like? What is it that I run to when I feel like God is not doing what I think he should do? God's not providing for me. God doesn't do these good things for me, so I'm going to run this direction. Are you willing to say that won't happen? And so, Let's just be real for a little bit, right? This is hard. When you have to preach, about 24,000 people die. People running through javelins. Through. But I would say, as Pastor would say, all the words of Scripture are possible for us. And so sometimes we have to sit through hard things. 24,000 people die. That's a lot of people. Well, it's not that big of a deal. To God, it was. It was a huge deal. God said, I'm taking you in that promised land, and I won't even let you stop yourself from getting there. So again, my question to us, sometimes when we look at these stories, we want to like, we want to, it's easier for us to talk about immorality. Well, see, I don't do that kind of stuff. It's easier for us to talk about false idols, I don't do that kind of stuff. But in these moments, it's really hard to look at our own sin and say, Aaron Burden, the sin that Aaron Burden commits is that serious to God. 
that if Aaron Burden let that sin continue to go in his life, it could destroy me, it could destroy my wife, it could destroy my children, it could destroy this ministry, it can destroy the people I have influence in. And then when I start looking at those hard things, all of a sudden it's like, sin is that serious. And I have to, before I start, it's easy for me to see all the people that I should run a javelin through, so to speak. But what is it that I'm in my own life saying that tonight I have to pick up the javelin. I have to go into the tent. And I have to stop this because ultimately it's going to take me to a place I don't want to be. I don't want to go. When you fast the Lord, let me back up and let's put it this way. Sometimes when we're preaching, we preach so hard like, don't sin, don't sin. That's not what I want you to hear. I want you to go back to chapter 23 and 24 and see you have a God that gloriously loves you, that wants the best for you, that when everything in this world is coming at you, don't curse them. I've got them. When everything I know, man, I hope you can't do it because God's protecting you and that same glorious God I don't want you to focus on sin I want you to focus on God and see a God that is so glorious so wonderful so holy that it's like the things of earth grow strangely dim I can't do this sin over here I can't chase this false God over here because I have a heavenly father who when I don't even know it and I'm doing wrong and I don't deserve it is still saying I cover you. I protect you. And if we turn our eyes on Jesus, it'll make us see how nasty and disgusting our sin really is. It won't have to be, well, it's so hard to preach against sin because it'll be, why would I want to? As Joseph said when Potiphar's wife asked, why would I do this evil before my God? Because when I look at God's holiness and God, who God is, and what God has done for me, and how God has loved me, I have to say, like Phineas, give me that javelin. I've got to destroy anything that would break that kind of fellowship, that would break that kind of relationship, because I want him and nothing else. Not to go home and give our guilt, self-guilt trips. I keep falling, I keep falling, is to turn our eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And so that would be, as we have the takeaway from all this, man, Aaron, how in the world do you get 24,000 people dying, javelins going, what do, you, what do you want to take away? I want you to take away that sin is serious, but God is glorious. And the same God wants to protect you the same way when you weren't thinking about it and you weren't doing anything with it, today, as you walk through your day, everything that's been thrown at you, God has been there through it. I want you to say, as a psalmist, I will look up in the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. He doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep. He's here for me. And when I do that, man, pushes all the other things out of the way. Can we pray? And we'll be done. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We do thank you so much for your word. And God, as we look at this, Lord, we like to separate ourselves from the children of Israel. Oh, man, they're always making mistakes. But Lord, if we're honest here tonight, Lord, we are them. 
Lord, there are sins that often blind us. Lord, they cause us to do stupid things. God, and those sins have reign in us, and we just keep walking and saying, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, even as we look at this passage, Lord, that we would see a God who loved us, a God who cares so much that he would not let Balak, I mean, Balaam curse Israel for all the money that could be offered. And he only spoke blessing to people who don't deserve blessing. God, I thank you so much that, Lord, you speak blessing on us. And we don't deserve them. And God, I pray that we would see Calvary. We would see your glorious love for us. And Lord, that those sins we push aside because they are holding us back from what you desire the best for us. Lord, as we continue through Numbers, Lord, the, the promised land is going to be a promise for some of these younger people in this passage. But Lord, they'll lose it because of sin. God, stir in our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. Point it out to us, God, in this moment. My heart, everyone in here's heart, point the sin out. And God, I pray that we get the javelin out, even tonight. Run it through and stay, because we don't want the consequences for actions to ruin what you got, you have for us. We need your help, God, because these things don't come naturally to us. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you guide us, would you give us wisdom? We'll thank you for all that's doing. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.